Good morning. Listen, I've had the privilege since January to be uh, in Unleashed Children's Ministry. Um, it's been so fun. It really has. Like since January, I've been in here maybe just a couple minutes here and there, but that's a long time. And it's just been the, the biggest blast. But, but listen, I missed you, man. I missed you so much. And between teen ministry and children's ministry, I'm just glad to be around people that like deodorant. And so that's awesome to be with you. I love it. I'm so down with that. Man, it smells good in here. And I'm, so, I'm just great with this. Listen, uh, we got a lot to do in a, in a short amount of time, but what I want you to do, I want you to turn to somebody next to you and just tell them the city that you were born in. Just whoever, just city that you're born in, listen to the city they were born in. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay, turn to them and tell them uh, the, your mom's name. Can you do that? Tell them your mom's name. It's a long name. Okay. Tell them uh, what high school you went to or just graduated from. Tell them what high school you went to. Tell them your church home. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Listen, the truth is that we all have a story, right? And so whether you, you came as a graduate or whether you came as a friend, a family member, whether you're new to us for the first time and you just happen to be on Graduate Sunday, whether this is your home church, does not matter. God's word is the same to each of us. And so um, you have a story. And that's all throughout God's word that, that each one of us has a story. You were born, you can breathe, right? Some of you can breathe. You have arms, you've got a brain, you know, you've got hair, you've got eyes, you've gotten older, you've got this story. True? False? True. Right on. And what I want to talk about today, and if you're a note taker, this is for you. What do you perceive your story to be like? Because it's really important. What do you perceive your story to be like? How you view your story is really, really important. One of the first things I, I, I ever do when I'm around people that I don't know, like at a camp or at some little leadership conference or something like that, that I get to speak at, like in an intimate setting or something, I always want to know their story. Um, somebody comes to speak to us, I want to know their story because our story says a lot about us and how you perceive your story says a lot about you. And so because of that and my love for stories, I've heard a lot of stories from students and teenagers and, and adults and pastors and youth workers and I've heard a lot of stories, but a lot of the stories... I mean, the vast majority of stories, especially from young people, but even adults as well, start out like this. Well, my story is kind of boring, but, I mean, if you want to know, da -da -da -da, and then they tell their story. Or they'll say, well, I don't really think you're going to be interested. It's not like I've got this exciting life or anything, but, I mean, if you want to know, then da -da -da, and they tell their story. You have a story, but how you perceive your story is extremely important. What you think to be true about your story. I mean, after all, this is your life, right? This is your life. Psalm 39 says that it's a mere breath and this life is going to be over and you've got a story. So what you think about your journey, your story, your life, how do you see it? All of that's really important. Because I think how you perceive your story, whether your life is 40, 50, 60, 70 years, 15 years, whatever, how you perceive your story, it matters. How do you perceive it? Each one of us has a longing for a story that's not boring, right? We've, we've got this longing for, for some, something that's just epic, something that's big, something that's incredible. We've got this longing in us, and you might say, you know, I don't really care. I'm just gonna grow up, I'm gonna do my deal. You know, I'm gonna go into college for seven or eight years. Um, I'm gonna graduate and just kinda chill. I'm gonna get a job. 
I'm going to get old. I'm going to pay the bills. I'm going to get a camper when I get really old. It's going to be great. Maybe I'm going to have a sweet nursing home buddy one day. You know, they're going to be really fun, really exciting. I'm going to get really stinking good at bingo, you know, and then I'm going to die. That's what I'm going to do. That's my life. Um, You may say that. You may say that's okay. You may talk like that's okay, but that's not true because in every single one of us, there's a longing. There's this God-shaped hole. There's this void for some life that matters, something that's significant, something that's, that's big. And that longing is a longing that I know about because God's placed it in you. He's placed it in me. It's, it's just, it's incredible. It's something that he wants you to live life for that's bigger than you. And you can't function well as a person to just be content with a boring story. A boring story just will not do. Because you've got that longing in you. And you may verbalize you're okay, but deep down, that's just fantasy. Why? Because deep down, God created you with the desire to be part of something, check this out, far bigger than you. Far bigger than than your little story. Something that no matter what your age is, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, that you want to be part of something that's awesome. Something that's incredible. Even at a young age, kids and teenagers alike, they can articulate longing for a story. Um, I've got several scriptures I just want to throw up on the screen, but Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus comes along in scripture and invites James, John, Peter, and he invites them to come along. He says, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He says, listen, boys, you follow me. This is something important. You want your life to matter, then you get your story in me. You, you, You find your story in me. You know, but a lot of times we don't grasp that. We don't see the significance of those moments, but, but that's the reality from scriptures that this day, today, matters. And the day that you have said yes, or the day in the future, hopefully today, that you will say yes to Jesus, you stepped into an epic story. What was this, this big story of you and like little God fit into your story and it's all about me? Like it's all about me. This is my story, my life, my dreams, my passions, my desires. It's all about me. All of a sudden things change and it becomes God's story with you in it, right? When that happens, that is significant. That changes everything. That makes your little story that you start in that was just, uh, it's okay. It's like a B-rate movie. When it's in God's story, all of a sudden you step into an epic story. You step into a phenomenal God-shaped story that was always and will always be. This is God's story. And as soon as you step into it, your life matters. It's his story. It's not your story. It's all about him. And his story isn't, and this is something that we think, and I fight this with teenagers so often, it's not a calmer story. It's not a story where you just sit down and, well, I guess I'm just going to chill out now. You know, I'm old enough now that I guess I just need to calm down, be a Christian, and just hang out. No! He doesn't call them to a calmer story in Scripture. I mean, you know this. He calls them to an adventurous story. He calls them to a story with, with big meaning. His story presents the opportunity that he created you for. That longing in your heart, it presents the opportunity to feel that. And you can tell me this morning, Tommy, listen, I don't really care what happens to my life, but check it out. Look in my face. You're lying. (laughs) You're lying to yourself if you even think that. You're lying. It's not true. I promise you that. You were created to feel that longing in your life. You're created for something that's even bigger than you, something that's epic, something that's, that's huge. You possess it. It's in you. It's a part of you. When I was a teenager, man, I wanted to fill that void in my life in my high school. I wanted to fill that void. And so I went to my school. I went to my church. I, I, I got to a point finally as a teenager where I went into my community with a purpose. I mean, I was at that school on purpose. 
And it wasn't for just grades. It was, it was I want to reach this school for Christ. I was there with a purpose. So when Jesus looks at Peter, James, and John in this passage and says, come follow me, what he's saying is I want you to know me. I want you to understand me. I want you to, to step into an epic story where it's no longer about you and your little story. It's no longer about your stuff, your little boats as fishermen. It's no longer about, about your, your little thing. But everything is about me. Every bit of it is about me. He's not inviting me to calm down in some dull story. He's inviting you to step out into an adventure. Into an adventure when, when it's wrapped up in eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. It's, it's eternal. This story is eternal because it's God's story. And it matters. John 1, 1 through 3 talking about how he created the heavens and the earth and what that looks like. This is talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Nothing. So you see Jesus and the father in the beginning creating everything together. That's cool. That's really, that's really awesome. So when Jesus is asking these guys to follow him in that passage, when he's asking them to follow him and to step into his story, he's asking them, you step into a great big story. If you do that, he's proclaiming to them, you're going to step into an epic story, something that you, you can't even dream how big it is right now. You can't even understand how big this is. You have no idea completely what you're stepping into. When we think of the creation story, we think of Genesis 1, right? God created the, created the heavens and the earth. Have you ever looked at the creation story through Job? where Job talks about how he held the clouds with his hands and he walks through it all. And then he's talking about Jesus and the Father, ultimately Jesus and the Father and how they created the heavens and the earth. And he says, but all of this, the heavens and the earth, the creation of it, all of that. And I love this, man. Was such a, it, was, it was just a mere whisper of God. The creation story, it's a mere whisper of God. All of that, all of that, everything that we see, all of his power, and he keeps on and he goes on and says that in creation, it's just a power uh, it's just a whisper of his power when he says, who can know the thunder of God? Isn't that, isn't that sweet? Who can know the thunder of God? The, the creation story is just a mere whisper of his power, a mere whisper of how big his story is, of how amazing his story is. And that's the story he invites those disciples into. And listen, that is not a calm story. That is not a story where I just check out and retire from, from anything spiritual the rest of my life. That's the story where, where I just get in, in, into the thick of it. I, I dive into this epic story. I mean, the very nature of leaving all, forsaking all to jump into that story, says no matter what happens, no matter where the ship goes, no matter what he calls me to do, no matter where he asks me to go, no matter what he asks my family to sacrifice, I'm in. No matter what, I'm going to be there. I'm in. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It's talking about how he creates all, how he knows all. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, my sake, he became poor, that through his poverty, you might become rich. Through his poverty, through, through his weakness, through him being human, you can become rich. That he created all, he knows all. The worship is his, the earth is his, the heavens and earth, all of it. He sacrificed all of that to become man. For you and me, for our sakes, he became poor. He died on a cross so that we can rule and reign with him. And that's a beautiful passage, Revelation 3.21. It's talking about one day how you will sit on a throne with him to rule and reign to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Isn't that beautiful? That you, I mean, you think, man, me? Yes, you. I'm not righteous. You may not feel righteous. If you know Christ, you're righteous. I don't feel like it. I don't care what you feel like. He says you're righteous. 
That's you. You're righteous if you know Jesus. You're righteous. In the moment that those disciples left everything to follow Jesus, he did not invite them to some little story. Their story accelerated. It became epic. It became so much bigger that it just consumed their little lives. It consumed their little stories. So listen, when you say yes to Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you everything. You enter into the greatest story ever known. You enter into the story of God. And that's big. Let me be honest with you. The most boring, insignificant way to live is to make your story about you. It's the most boring, insignificant way to live. It's the common consumer way to live. And, and ultimately, when you give your life to personal pleasures, and many of you can testify to this right now, when you give your life to pleasing yourself, personal pleasures, ultimately, you know this, you'll leave empty and dissatisfied. True? We leave empty and dissatisfied every time. And that's just the way the world operates. What can please me? What, what, what can I get out of it? What's going to happen for me? All of that, when it's all about you instead of God, when it's all about your story and your life and God just kind of fits into that somehow, when it's all about you, you leave with a God-shaped hole in your life thinking, what in the world am I missing? Every time, every time, that's the way it is. The power of God that Jesus created with a whisper and then the heavens and the earth. Wow, that's bad. That's awesome. That's so cool. And when Jesus looks at Peter, James, and John, come follow me. What'd they do? They left everything, right? I mean, they left it all. They left every bit of it. Imagine if they were there and they had doubts, how quickly those doubts would be erased. If Peter has doubts, he's like, listen, Jesus, I love my boat. I mean, this is a sweet boat. And I don't want to leave my boat. You got a boat? Well, I'm going to let you walk on water. Okay. It's better than my boat. Okay. Jesus, I'm from Capernaum. I love Capernaum. It's a fun place. It's, it's in my comfort zone. I love Capernaum. It's a great city. You got a city? Well, streets of gold, 12 foundations with your name written on it. You down with that? It's better than Capernaum. You know? Jesus, I got friends. I got, I got good friends. I, these are my fishing buddies. Man, we are, we are tight. We are, we are so close. These are my boys. Are you going to give me... Even greater friends than that? Well, listen, in two chapters, I'm going to let you go up on to the Mount Transfiguration with me, and you're going to meet Moses and Elijah. You down with that? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, we would be absurd to think that we're not going to follow Jesus if you were to logically think through it, right? That would be ridiculous to make it all about me and to come to the end of my life and say, man, it was all about me. Growing up, the way I parented, the way I was an adult, it was all about me. That would be ridiculous. So in that moment when they left everything, they sacrifice it all for him. And once you get to know him, that way when it becomes about his story and not your story, when it becomes about him and how your little story latches on to his story, this is where it gets fun. You'll start to see a shift in your life. And it won't happen overnight, but a shift where what he wants for you will become what you want for you. Where what he dreams for you with the ambitions he has for your life will become your ambitions, your desires, and you'll grasp that vision and you'll begin to win others to that same vision to where it's no longer about you. You've died to yourself and it's all about him. You'll start to get a vision for your junior high class. You'll start to get a vision for, for the, for the uh, place that you work right now. You'll start to get a vision from a father's perspective for your family. You'll get a vision for, the, for that and you'll begin to see life in an offensive way instead of a defensive way. I heard this great illustration at a conference we took our college to, students to a couple years ago. And it's out of Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. And these verses are, are uh, verses I did not understand for the longest time. 
But I love, I love uh, the spiritual ramifications of it. Matthew 16, 13 through 18 says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? And he keeps going in verse 14. If you can pop that up on that screen, my friend. <laughs> so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? And this is how he wraps it up. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He's speaking of that, of that area the gates of hell, the gates of Hades. Many people knew Caesarea Philippi as the gates of hell because there were just ridiculous, sinful things that happened there. And he's saying that, that I'm gonna build my, my church on the rock, not, not particularly Peter, but on the rock. And, and my church is gonna be built on me and it can overcome the gates of hell, can overcome the spiritual gates of hell, all that. And I thought that was so good, but what I loved the illustration that I heard at this conference was just incredible. That when you live in Michigan to have gates, what are gates for? They're to keep Ohio State fans out, right? Every time you get out of my lawn, get out of my house, this gate is to separate me from you all day long, every day. Pastor, don't come to my house. Don't, mm -mm, I'm not coming. Meet me at church, right? I mean, that's the way it is. Don't just keep people out, right? It's a defensive weapon, right? And so what that scripture is saying, like if you want to look into this, that, that yeah, he can overcome Caesarea Philippi. But for us, that many of us live life, many of us live life where, where, we, we don't live as, as the language of Jesus is portraying here. We live life and we just stand here and we hope that we're the church and we're just like, please, uh, devil, don't get me. Please, devil, don't touch me. Please, no, 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 no. Hallelujah, hallelujah, no, no. And you're just like, uh, you, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. This passage is so offensive for Christians to where it says the gates of hell can't overcome you if the gates are defensive, right? Then that means we as the church can overcome anything. And that means because Christ lives in you, even the gates of hell, I'm coming for you. I'm not playing around with sin in my life to where you can overcome anything. And he says, why? Because everything is based on me. It's about my story, not your story. You stepped out of your little life and you stepped into my great big life and you should be able to overcome any sin, any temptation, anything, including the devil himself because of me. And that's exciting. I like that. That's exciting. And it's true. We're not to be a defensive church. And this is where I lived the majority of my life. I'm 26, the majority of my life I've lived defensively. And I've just now began to grasp this in a big way to where it's not just, oh man, just keep sinning away. Stop sinning, Tommy, stop. Stop sinning, Tommy, don't look, don't look. Oh, don't look, don't look. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. I wanna live in an offensive way. I want to attack any sin in my life and I have plenty. I wanna attack any sin in our youth group, in our church. I want us to just take down the devil to punch him right in the face, whatever it takes. I just want to be offensive with our lives because that's the way we're called to live. And so much of the times we just think, just don't do bad things. Just keep my kids from doing bad things. No, no, there's a greater life they're called to when you step into God's story. When it's your little story, play defense. That's the way it's gonna go. When you're in God's story, it's all about offense. And what can we do to overcome the devil? What can we do to overcome ourselves? So Kirby Church, be offensive because that's the life you're called to be. Every good coach will tell you, if you love sports, if you go into a football game and try not to lose, what's gonna happen? You'll lose. The only way to win is to have an offensive vision to win. That's the only way it's gonna happen. So you go into battle, just trying not to lose the battle. 
what's going to happen? You're going to lose. If, if that's all you're trying to do, then you're going to lose. And what, what the word says is that the only way to win in life is to have this Godward vision, is to have a Godward thing, not just to make it, but, but where God has called you to live a life on the offense, to live a life where you're looking for opportunities to reach. You're looking for, you've got like a scriptural vision of what God wants your family to look like. You've got a scriptural vision of what you want your school to look like. And you're gonna go in and no one can stop you. I don't care what happens. I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna reach my classmates for Jesus. I'm gonna reach my coworkers for Christ. I'm gonna reach my family members for Christ. And no one can stop me, not even the devil himself. I will bash through the gates of Hades. And I like that a lot. I like that. Step out of your little story where it's all about you into a story that's all about him, his kingdom, and who he is. Mm, that's good. Freeze frame that. Let me talk about this. In your journey of giving all to God, some of you are thinking right now, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can be an overcomer like that. You've got to grasp, when you think about your, your lifestyle in Christ, you've got to grasp that, that a Godward vision for your life always consists of you overcoming right? No matter what your age, 20, 30, 40, 50, it does not matter that you're an overcomer and that this happens. This isn't just some myth. This isn't some fable that this happens. People overcome. So let me give you these scriptures and I want you to think I'm going to be an offensive player on God's team. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to have a family that overcomes. I'm not just going to sit around and play a defense. Read this with me. Check it out. Revelation 2, 7. He's talking about overcoming here. This is beautiful. He who has an ear, let him hear to what the spirit says to the churches, to him who what? Overcomes. Tim who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's people that overcome? Yes. There's people that don't always struggle with the same temptation and same sin all their lives. They don't always just give in to that. They can overcome that? Yes. This validates that you can be an overcomer in your life. And that's big because some of you are just Given up, you've just admitted this is just who I am and this is just the bottom line to it. There's no way I can get past it. And he says, yes, you can. Revelation 2.11, he keeps going. Revelation 2.11 says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who, what, overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. That's great. Revelation 2.26, and he who overcomes and keeps my word works until the end to him, I will give power over the nations. 3, 5 says, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. That's big. This is you. You're an overcomer. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. That's you. That's big. Imagine the God of the ages declaring to you, you are an overcomer. To him who has overcome, to him who has overcome, him who has overcome, him who has overcome, him who has overcome. That's you. What's the point? Here's the point. There's a remnant of people that overcome. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible to overcome any sin. It's possible to overcome the gates of hell itself. Fear, rage, immorality. You can overcome any of it with the work of Christ in you. You can overcome. Why? Because your story matters. Your story matters when it's wrapped up in God's story. Your story, your decisions that you make today matter. And one day when you overcome, listen to me carefully because I really got to wrap up because I, I love Miss Rita and she needs to be my friend. When you overcome Revelations 3, 2, 21, that passage right there, that, that verse, and you sit there on the throne with Jesus, and I love that, by the way. When you sit there, I imagine Jesus is going to look at you and show you your life. He's going to look at you and listen closely with me. He's going to look at your life. He's going to say, listen, back when you were 15, look at this, look at this. You were 15. 
Look at you. Look at this temptation right here. See that temptation? Look what you did. You had the choice, righteousness, unrighteousness. What'd you choose? You chose righteousness. You overcame the enemy. Good job, kid. Good job. Look at that, 18 years old, 18 year old boy, living in purity. You're living in purity, looking at all those people around you who are bartering at you to say it doesn't matter, who are telling you your purity, your integrity doesn't even matter like what you think it does. They're telling you it's no big deal. And you had the opportunity for righteousness and unrighteousness. Let's see what you choose. You chose righteousness. Good job. Way to go. Good job. Listen to me. There will be a day. There will be a day where you'll look back at your life and every time you overcame, I think God will say it mattered. Listen, every time you overcame, it was worth it. It mattered. It counted. And he'll go, Come here, let me show you this. You're gonna say, this mattered? Like, it didn't feel like it mattered. It didn't seem like a big deal. He's gonna say, come, come, let me show you this. Look at this. You see right here when you did this and you made that righteous decision and it affected that. And then it affected that. And it affected them and it affected them. And you're gonna stand back and go, whoa, you orchestrated humanity right. And he's gonna say, thank you. Yeah, I did. That you can be an overcomer. Where Jesus can orchestrate your life and in a way where you make your story all about his story to where all of a sudden when it comes to your testimony, how you perceive your story, it no longer starts with, well, it's just not that big of a deal. My life isn't that exciting. It's gonna start the same way for each and every one of us. Jesus is awesome. And my story is all about his story. My story is all about him. And the way scripture says that we'll respond when we see the reality once we get to heaven is hallelujah, the all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign, perfect, incredible God. You did everything right. We'll come to a grip where we know he did everything right. And he'll say, I told you, your story mattered. You thought it was insignificant. You thought your prayer life didn't matter. You thought the way you parented, the way you were on the job, you thought all of that didn't matter, but it mattered every time. It mattered. And so today, Kirby Church, the best thing that I can tell you, and for our graduating class, the best thing is to let your little story latch it onto his big story. Just melt your story into his because his story is eternal. His story matters. And all of our little journeys along the way, when they latch onto him, become journeys that are vital and are important and matter. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what it says that we'll be there before the throne, every knee will bow, every knee, every knee. And we'll look around and we'll say, wow, wow, your story mattered. This is incredible. This is exactly what we read when we were in humanity. This is ridiculous. Your story mattered. You're gonna look over, you're gonna be like, Matt, you played up here percussion, dude. That was great. It mattered. That was incredible, that mattered. Scott, you taught that life group. You remember that? You remember how you struggled sometimes because you're like, man, is this gonna be good? Is this gonna be bad? I don't know, but I'm just gonna delve into Revelation. What am I thinking? It mattered, it mattered. College student, did, did I live for purity? It mattered. You're gonna look over there and you're gonna see each other. Listen, this mattered. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that his story is the only eternal story, that he is God and he reigns forever and ever and ever. And if he takes you thousands of miles away in this life, doesn't matter, it's in his story. 
If he keeps you right next door, it doesn't matter. It's his story because at the name of Jesus, to live a life in the name of Jesus, it matters. Every choice, every prayer, every decision, it matters today. Your story, no matter how dull you perceive it to be, becomes epic when you look at it in the light of his story. You can overcome. You can make a difference. You, Kirby, you can change the world. Can you just stand with me right where you're at and let's pray? Father, Lord, you are, you are almighty and you are, you are the story, God, that we want to attach our lives to, God, because you are, you are the story, God, that, that, that is eternal. You're the only thing that's eternal, Lord. And God, we learn in scripture that, that once we attach ourselves to you, God, that we become significant, our lives become significant. And so, Father, I just pray for those in this building today, God, that they would attach their lives, their vision, their dreams, their ambitions to you, that they would put their little story that they star in, that they make the call, they produce, they direct. Lord, that they would put that little story, that insignificant thing into your story and take a step out into something that's epic, into something that can overcome anything else in the world. Father, I love you. And I just pray for these people, God, that they would be honest before you today, that they would feel the freedom to pray to you. They would feel the freedom to give their hearts to you if they don't know you. And they would join this epic story, God. Lord, this is the life you've called us to. This is the, the life you, you want us to have. This is the life to have significance, to have a purpose. And we find that only in you. So God, we rejoice in that today. We celebrate in that today. Lord, and we ask, Lord, that for those of us who are not part of that story, Lord, that, that we would humble ourselves, that we would be honest with ourselves and come to know you. Father, we love you. And it's in your holy name we pray. Can you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed? I just want to give you a second to talk to the Lord about your story. How oftentimes we star in our story and we, we bring it back to us so often. But to say, God, I want this to be all about you. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you need to ask him into your life. You need to say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to, to reign in me. I want you to do something incredible in me. And if that's you and you need somebody to pray with, that's what we're here for. So you just talk to the Lord. If you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know. I want to accept him. I know this is true, but I don't know what to do. Then you just come forward, man. We'll pray with you. We'll talk to you about truth. We'll talk to you about the life wrapped up in him, the eternal life that matters, that's significant, that has a purpose. You just take some time. Father God, we love you. And I pray, Lord, that we would continue to honor you, that we would continue to get a Godward focus, that we would continue on in this process through uh, your molding us and, and making us more like you, that you would chip away at, at our natural man, our natural selves, Lord, that, that, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored. And so, Father God, may, may as we leave this place here in a moment, if we're going to grad parties, if we're going out to eat with friends or going over to, to a family member's house, Lord, whatever it is, may, may this be the conversation on our lips. How do I plug into God's story? What does that look like for our family? What does that look like for me? Lord, may we just be honest before you. 
Jesus, we love you. We ask all this in your precious name. God's people said, amen. Amen. Listen, what we want to do, we're going to dismiss, I think, with a song, but we want to dismiss our seniors. And so if you guys can go ahead and make your way out. They've got their grad boards and, and their, their uh, senior boards and all that. So we want you guys to go over and check that out with them, rejoice in that with them, love on them, uh, get to meet their family members because their lives matter. This, this is significant. And so um, uh, you guys go ahead and dismiss yourselves if that's all right. And we're going to, uh, to dismiss in a moment when Don dismisses you. But listen, your life matters when it's wrapped up in God. You give it to him. Your life will count. Amen. Glad you're here, Kirby.